Hello and welcome back to There Will Be Spoilers. This is episode 26, number 75, with me, Matt Bazell. And I'm Ethan Knight. And this is a movie we watched. It was called In the Heat of the Night. <laughs> what are you, why are you talking like you had a stroke, man? Ch- changing it up. making it, Keeping you guessing. <laughs> yes, In the Heat of the Night. 1967 was the year that this film came out. That, this is a true fact. <laughs> What is happening? I just love how off on the back foot you are because I'm just just changing up the formula, shaking things up. 1967 would be the year that it is recorded that this film was released for. Let it be known that 1967 for human consumption was the film in the heat of the night (laughs) with people in it. Oh my god! Yes, this is true though. All this is true. Ethan, tell us some more true things. Give us a plot synopsis. This is a long one here today, dear listener and Matt, because there's a lot of plot in this film. So, here we go. In the Heat of the Night is the story of Virgil Tibbs, a black police officer from Philadelphia who becomes involved in a murder case in the small town of Sparta, Mississippi. A wealthy man named Colbert is murdered and discovered late one night by patrolman Sam Wood, who is instructed by the police chief, Bill Gillespie, to search for a suspect. At the train station, he discovers Tibbs, who is waiting for his train. Sam arrests him, finding a large amount of money in his wallet, and takes him back to the station. It's revealed, however, that Tibbs is actually also a police officer, and he makes more money in a week than Gillespie makes in a month. On the phone with Tibbs' chief, Gillespie learns that Tibbs is a homicide expert, and Tibbs is instructed to stay on in Mississippi and help solve the murder. Shortly after, Gillespie apprehends a suspect, but Tibbs argues that he is not the murderer and refuses to give his report on the dead body to Gillespie, planning instead to send it to the FBI. Gillespie has Tibbs jailed for refusing evidence, and Tibbs learns more information from the suspect as they share the cell. Colbert's widow insists on Tibbs working the case, as she was witness to the disagreement, and Gillespie talks Tibbs into helping. The two work well together, and Tibbs suspects a man named Endicott, a racist rich man who is the biggest opposition to Colbert's new factory. They interrogate him at his house, and when Endicott learns that Tibbs suspects him, he slaps him. Tibbs slaps him back, and they leave. Endicott sends men to lynch Tibbs, but Gillespie stops them. Gillespie insists Tibbs leaves town for his safety, but Tibbs refuses as he thinks he's close to solving the case. Tibbs has figured out that Colbert was killed at the site of the new factory and driven back to town in his own car, being dumped in an alleyway where he was discovered. Tibbs decides to follow Sam on his patrol, and Gillespie comes with. Sam changes his route, which prompts Tibbs to ask why. In actuality, Sam is a peeping Tom who likes to watch Dolores Purdy, who's an exhibitionist, Tibbs doesn't reveal this to Gillespie, leading Gillespie to suspect Sam of the murder. Gillespie discovers that Sam deposited a large amount of money in his bank account the day after the murder and has Sam arrested. Shortly after, Purdy's brother arrives to accuse Sam of statutory rape as Dolores is pregnant. Tibbs, however, uses his friendship with the very first murder suspect to track down the town's abortionist. He puts together that Ralph, the creepy diner owner slash worker, he works at the diner, I don't know if he owns it or not, but he fucks with Sam all the time. He's the true father of the child and had killed Colbert to pay for her abortion. Dolores arrives as Tibbs puts it together and he chases her out. Ralph pulls a gun on him and another lynch mob shows up. Purdy is a part of that, and Tibbs reveals the information about Dolores and Ralph to him. 
Ralph shoots Purdy dead, and Tibbs disarms and apprehends Ralph. The film ends with Gillespie and Tibbs parting on good terms. And that was a hell of a lot of plot. It's also a hell of a way to say Gillespie. Is it Gillespie? Fuck me. (laughs) God damn it. Well, Gillespie, Gillespie, whatever. I wrote it last night, so. Well, in any case, yeah, there is a lot of plot in this film. A lot to talk about. And it's really heavily themed around race, right? As yes. As well should be. It's set in 1964, even though this came out in 1967. And they are comparing things like the North and the South and black and white and industrialism and agrarianism. Indicott runs a cotton farm. Yes. And Colbert wanted to start a factory. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think I'll actually take us to our pivotal scene now because I think this tension is represented very well. This is roughly halfway through the movie, about 51 minutes in, when Gillespie is trying to get Tibbs on the case, as you mentioned with Mrs. Colbert trying to get Tibbs back on the case. Mm -hmm. And Gillespie's first main point trying to convince Tibbs is, look, if we don't figure this out, that factory is going to be stopped, right? That's something that Colbert's wife threatens. Yes. And that factory is going to hire a lot of colored people, is what he says. He says, you want to help your people, don't you? And Tibbs is like, these are your people. And he says, no, they're yours. And he says, well, you made them, right? Which I think you can you can establish a different couple different readings of that. But before I go mm-hmm. any further, why don't we take a listen? Yes, let's. Any reason why you have to leave today? Lots of reasons. Uh, what would you say if I, uh, I asked you to stay for a while? No. Town needs a factory, Bird. Colbert come down from Chicago to build it. I hear they're gonna hire a thousand men. Half of them will be colored. Know what that means? Probably got him killed. That's what Mrs. Colbert thinks. She wants us to catch her killer. No killer, no factory. Well, it's a lot of jobs for a lot of colored people. You follow me? I'm going home, man. They're your people. Not mine. Yours. You made this scene. What do you want me to do? You want me to beg you? Is that what you're after? Look, I've had your town up to here. Boy, it would give me a world of satisfaction to horsewhip you, Virgil. (laughs) My father used to say that. (laughs) Even did once or twice. It was not enough to suit me. Listen to me. Just once in my life, I'm gonna hold my temper. I'm telling you that you're gonna stay here. You're gonna stay here if I have to go inside and call your chief of police and have him remind you of what he told you to do. But I don't think I have to do that, you see? No, because you're so damn smart. You're smarter than any white man. You're just gonna stay here and show us all. You got such a big head that you could never live with yourself unless you could put us all to shame. You wanna know something, Virgil? don't think that you could let an opportunity like that pass by okay so gillespie ends his argument and what actually appears to convince tibbs is you want to go show all of us white men that you're smarter than us you're so damn smart you're such a big head that you can't help but take this opportunity to show how much smarter you are than us 
which yes. I think is somewhat unfair, but may also have some truth to it. I mean, yeah, I I don't know that that's necessarily Tibbs's prime motivation, but it's certainly. I mean, it's there, definitely. That like he wants to prove these people wrong, and t- we see Tibbs throughout the film sort of come around. Like when he goes after not Colbert, what's his name? There's so Indicott. many words. Endicott. When he goes after Endicott, he admits later on that he's like, I was doing that because I, for personal reasons, basically because Endicott's a fucking racist. Well, the evidence did look like it was tending towards Endicott. It did, and they really yeah. kind of dropped the ball on that because why was that fern root in Colbert's car if if Endicott wasn't there? I never quite figured that little mm, wrinkle out. You've got a good point. Well, how did that get there? Because he said that, you know. He was at Endicott's. Colbert was at Endicott's that night. Oh, okay, yeah. So he did go there, and then he came back, and that's when he But that was never really confirmed, because Endicott wouldn't confirm it. So I don't understand. I feel like that was a little bit dropped, but uh, maybe it was just another red herring to try to steer you away from Ralph, who the film opens with Ralph trying to kill a fly yes. and messing with Sam. Then we see him again later breaking into the jukebox and then hiding the pie. Then when it's going to get Sam in trouble, he shows him the pie, and he gets really angry about serving Tibbs, and it's like... I think this might be the killer. Yeah, by by that point, I I was uh pretty sure that Ralph had something to do with it. Now I totally believed that Endicott had him killed, but had Ralph do it or something or some right, sort of right, something. Right. But but yeah, no. And Ralph is a a freaky looking dude. He's like a spider looking. Eighty seven percent neck. Yeah. Oh, he's all neck. His just his arms are coming out of his neck. Oh, and he's, he's like leaning. For, oh, uh, uh. but to to bring this back to the pivotal scene, and some of the, I guess we'll come into themes pretty soon here. Is that when Gillespie says like you want to help your people, and Tibbs responds with these are people that you've made. You can read that as these are people from Sparta, Sparta, Mississippi, and you have helped craft them with your racism. Or you might be speaking about the black experience, the African American experience in America entirely. Mm-hmm. Right? You have helped craft these people due to your prejudice, your racism, your oppression, all of the things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so much of this film is about upending expectations, things being not what they seem, right? Which is really the sort of har- the argument that it's making about racism in a lot of ways. You know, we when we first meet Tibbs, he doesn't say a word for the first, like, I don't know, 10 minutes that, that he's on. And they're being horribly racist to him. Oh, they're being really bad. And it's all like, come here, boy. Get get down, boy. Where'd you get all that money, boy? And all this shit. And you can tell because he's better dressed than anybody else in the entire film. Mm -hmm. Like, and I knew nothing about this going in other than that it had cops in it. Yeah, now that I. So, which is actually the preferred way that I like to watch movies to to get all this sort of fresh experience or whatever but i knew going right in i was like oh dude this he's gonna be some sort of detective or some sort of something and of course it it, he is right and we get this throughout the rest of the film you know there's all these times that like what what people expect is not necessarily what the reality is actually if i were to pick like a second pivotal scene i would probably pick the one in which tibbs is examining culprit's body and you see the uncomfortability of the white doctor and funeral parlor owner with Tibbs. And there's the contrast. They they very much zoom in on black hands touching deceased white hands. It's doing that juxtaposition there. But Tibbs is so much smarter. Like, he's asking the doctor, hey, wouldn't this be the case? Wouldn't this be the case? Like, the the doctor got the time of death wrong, and Tibbs (laughs) very nicely points that out in a way that makes the doctor think, like, oh, I did solve it this way. But... So Tibbs is obviously way out of their league, 
but he's still being cordial and, and then eventually they're still treating him like shit and i think you say they end on good terms i think there's still some lingering resentment there like we see yeah. that even the late end of the film where they're in gillespie's house and they're talking it looks like they're having a human moment and then gillespie gets all defensive and he's like i don't want no pity black boy right and it's right. like holy shit like so I think things get resolved, but nothing actually gets fixed. Like there's Gillespie's gonna be out of a job because Endicott is still in power. Although you know that there is a there was a television show that as a, that was a sequel to this film. So there's it, also they call me Mr. Tibbs, which I think is another movie. Yeah, there's a, there's one. that and and there were there were three in total. But that that television series you're talking about, Tibbs is not the smart one. It's the the sheriff that's the smart one, which is problematic. You know, right. to to switch that. Like why would you switch that? Uh, you know well Ethan do you think you can give us some other themes for us to chew on a while yeah I mean so we've talked a little bit about race which I think really is the most important thing in this film but I think that's wrapped up also in just sort of the fear of of the outside or of outsiders right of mm-hmm. and I, maybe and maybe that's also wrapped up in racism right the people that look different from you but but I, I really do think that the fear of, of outsiders and the outside or perhaps outside scrutiny is is really important just like that that scene you were just talking about where they're in um i'm gonna say his name wrong gillespie or gillespie 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 they're in gillespie's house you know he he is talking about how Tibbs is the only person who ever comes in there, or who, who who's ever come in there, um, into his house, and it's uh, there's something about like outside scrutiny, and so he he interrogates Tibbs a little bit about his life, and he, oh you have a wife, were you ever married, da 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 da, and when Tibbs gives a, a little bit of that back to him, just a little bit, it, he shuts right down, right, and and that's what's going on in this town. There's you know, there's an outside person coming in. And, and scrutinizing things in some way or another, right? This is why Colbert dies. He's an outsider. He doesn't fit in, and so he gets killed. Well, he also, it's... The, so you're thinking talking here about insulated experience or trying to insulate yourself from the world, whereas right. Colbert, coming from the north, Chicago, he comes down to build this factory, and he's so trusting of people, right? Which True. apparently is not the case in Sparta. Sparta, everyone's suspicious of one another, but... The first thing that Gillespie says when they when they find the body, when Sam finds the body and they're talking about it, he says, go look around town at the pool hall and the depot. It might be a hitchhiker. And it's like, yeah. why aren't you, why are you so sure it's not someone in your town, which it definitely is. Right. That's true. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot about this, like, well, it's, 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 it's sort of looking and being looked at perhaps. And again, that's that upended expectations. He, he, of course, it's somebody in fucking town, not a goddamn drifter. But he's like, go find a drifter. Yeah. So, anything else we should talk about before we move on? We could talk about race all day, but it's kind of exhausting. <laughs> and I mean, we could we could literally go scene by scene in this film and talk about all of the ways in which it's playing with race and you know, fucking with your ideas of race and all these sorts of things on both a north and a south lens right because you've got tibbs who's from the north and and um then we're in that that small town in the south i don't know you you think a lot about like this small town shit like this just isn't this can't be real and of course it is you know i think my favorite scene is indicott slapping tibbs and tim's just right back bam oh, right yeah. back at you and indicott's like hey sheriff you saw that what are you gonna do about it and gillespie see he's not completely in tibbs's camp and i don't think he ever is because he says i don't know he yeah. doesn't say nothing. He says, I don't know. Endicott's like, there used to be a day where I could have you shot. 
And right. it's like, oh my gosh. And then they walk away and Endicott like tears up a bit. Endicott like, cries. Like it just uh, is such I hate a him so much. I, like it just is some wild shit that happens in this film. And I think even Tibbs like isn't quite prepared to deal with any of this because he comes down. It's like when they when he gets the car from the mechanic and the mechanic's like, Do you have a, a roof? Do you have a place to stay? And uh, he's like, I'll just get a motel. And the guy, he just laughs in his face and yells over to his wife that they've got company. Like, Tibbs is so far out of his uh, world and so into, like, the weeds, I guess, that, like, it, it's just, it's astounding, right? And, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe uh, as someone who, I mean, as, as I guess a white person from the North, it, it just is even more horrifying to see this play out in a very real way. And this isn't, like, exaggerated shit, you know what I mean? If anything, perhaps right. it's under-exaggerated, the reality of the situation. So, Yeah, and he's an officer of the law, and they still don't respect that even a little bit, right? That right. They are, they over, try to override him at all times, and there's people like lynch mobs and people attacking him, and he has to, to physically defend himself several times. And the end of the film is not solved because Purdy dies and Ralph was apprehended. It dies because... Tibbs ends up with Ralph's gun in his hand. And and I will point out, too, just as I was reading some things online about this, I was looking at a couple of synopses, synopses, synopsises, whatever, and th- that is a lynch mob, I, I will say. it's a they're, they're there to lynch him. They're not yeah. there to, like, fuck with him. They're there to lynch him. And in several synopsis, synopses that I looked at, they called them, like, hooligans or what was it what's it some euphemism for for like who like just that they were out to have a little fun and mess with him no, no they were out to fucking kill him degenerate murderers yeah yeah and so i think that was a little a little uh jarring even today that like buddy that's a lynch mob so i think this actually gets to my thesis right that i've kind of already said this a little bit already but there are no clean answers to sweeping social issues like racism things are sort of resolved in Sparta, but nothing is fixed. Yeah. You know, Gillespie's going to lose his job because Endicott, this powerful, wealthy racist who relies on indentured servitude, right? Sharecropping, basically still slavery, black labor. Again, that's might as well be slavery to pick cotton in his fields, right? Where this factory might help industrialize things, but there's still going to be that tension there. Gillespie's going to lose his job to him. These lynch mob people aren't going to be punished. Tib goes back to, um, Philadelphia and probably does very well there, but that doesn't fix anything here in Sparta. And, and so it's just kind of messy, right? Which is good because mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's close to life, right? That's representative of society. We just, you just talked about how people are still saying like hooligans when they are murderers, right? Attempted yeah. murderers. And it's just so crazy to think that we still deal with these things to greater or lesser degrees in different you know, areas and sides and perspectives, but it's still an issue. And I think the film does very well at saying like, nothing's quite fixed here. I mean, yeah. And I, th- I think this is a film that shows you that people are more up in arms about a black man being in town that has any power and the possibility of an abortion than the fucking murder of a man and the statutory rape of a 16 year old girl. Like, everything is so out of whack because it's just... And how do you even begin to, like, fix that? I think that's right. And so let me give you a thesis. In the Heat of the Night is a film that offers viewers a dark and unpleasant version of the South, one that's made worse based on its treatment of Tibbs. Southerners in this film hold themselves up as better than black people. However, 
they are themselves the backwards and inferior ones, as Tibbs is able to show through logic, nonviolence, class, that's like lowercase c class, like a classy man, and mm-hmm. intelligence. Yeah. And because I, I think, I really do think, like, the priorities of this town are, are beyond fucked up. There's a dead man, and they're more concerned about, like, making sure this girl doesn't abort her baby and, like, killing a black man in town. Yeah, and so none of it is clean. None of it is sharp lines. It's all shades of gray, and priorities yeah. are mixed, and it's a, it's a value question, right? What do people value? Well, yes. Tibbs values justice. That's probably the main reason he stays on. Not mm-hmm. because he's super vain. He might be somewhat vain, but he... He doesn't care as much about proving it to these white guys, as Gillespie says. He actually has a vested interest in justice as mm. a homicide detective. And so he's got those priorities. Gillespie is trying to pacify the town, keep everyone alive, but also do you know, his pragmatic thing, which is keeping his job. Right. Colbert's wife wants her husband's killer found, or she's going to pull the factory out of town. And the town wants the factory because it's going to help it be something. Right. So all these competing angles and perspectives, it's just kind of a mess. So... I think the best thing to do is uh, wipe our hands off and move to our three questions. Let us do that. Okay, my first question for you, Ethan, is do we care about this film? Yes, absolutely, I think we do. I believe that this is the kind of film that... I mean, people need to see this. Well, ah, I'm jumping ahead, aren't I? Yeah, we should care about this film. It shows that race relations were not fixed in after civil rights because this is a couple of years 67 right and six, civil rights is what 65 I, I might be off with my dates but this is post civil rights and you've still got fucking lynch mobs showing up with their confederate flag license plates trying to lynch a black man and it and, and i think it does a really good job of showing the like the like f- upside down cuckoo bananas bs of of day-to-day racism when you see somebody like tibbs who's clearly you know educated he makes good money he's well dressed he's well spoken being talked down to constantly by you know people that are in like bib overalls with not all their teeth right Mm -hmm. and so i think this illustrates how fucked up racism is and how it doesn't just go away and it's really easy to say like you know oh racism disappears it's not like that anymore and perhaps it's not quite so overt but you can see shades of this in everything that happens today and anything that involves any sort of story that involves race today i think you see echoes of this and i and i so yeah i think we care about this film plus there's that fucking slap which was a big deal and this film was the first hollywood film to specifically adjust its its lighting in order to better light a black actor so I care about this film as well. I do think it's somewhat problematic that this horrible racism, this horrible oppression, is never actually cast down, right? Yeah. If you are not a close reader of this film, you might come off and think that racism is acceptable in some strange sense. So I think there's a danger there. But again, there's always a danger with that in any media, right? Is that something that's being cast as deplorable might be seen as attractive to somebody. But I think this film could have done a little bit more to solidify that. I think the fact that it didn't moralize a lot is really true to life. But for me, I wanted just a little bit more about Tibbs being victorious in 
his his views, his values, as opposed to the town. We know that town's exactly the same at the end of this. And that's yeah. kind of what makes me give, gives me a little bit of pause. But we'll leave that alone and we'll say, what do we owe to this film? We owe that great line, they call me Mr. Tibbs. They call me Mr. Tibbs! Which is just a great Hollywood line. We owe, I think, like I mentioned in the last one, I mean, this is the first film to light a black actor well you know they did it on purpose in order to better light him instead of you know just using the shit that works well on white people i mean so i think there are some things like that that you know go forward and plus you've got that slap that slap is a big deal because these are just things that didn't really happen before in film and so i think it paves the way for a lot of things we see later on plus we get to see tibbs you know not as a caricature of a black person he's not a, a butler or even like if we think about something like Forrest Gump where you've got Bubba who's problematic in and of himself as well mm-hmm. and there's some weird racist shit going on there we see Tibbs as like a fully formed character who just happens to be black and is treated shitty for it I also think we get a lot of the maybe not groundwork but certainly refinement if this wasn't the first I I know there's others around it, but sort of the buddy cop drama. Yeah. We get two polar opposite cops, and they're forced to work together. It's such a trope today, but it's definitely, it feels fresh in this, and I think it is fresh, right? You still have stuff, I think, around that time, or maybe in the mid-70s where you start to get this. So this might be one of the sort of defining moments for that genre, but I think we definitely owe the buddy cop drama to this a great deal. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there is a lot of that going on here. Something like Lethal Weapon comes out of this, you know? Yeah, I no, I think you're totally right. And I think you can see this this sets that up as a serious as a serious thing, right? That you can then parody in a thousand different ways to the point where you're getting like isn't there uh there's some Clint Eastwood movie where he's a cop and there's like an orangutan and like, like you get to the point where the, it's <laughs> no not even a, it's not even two humans or like isn't there there's one too that's like stop, it's like Sylvester Stallone and it's it's like stop or my mom will shoot and it's him and his like 80 year old mom that is his the cop buddy film like so I think that yeah you totally set this up or like all those what it's like ride along and ride along too or whatever that those sure. are the ones you know yeah. so yeah I think this if you have to take it seriously first and then we get to the point where we've got the like ridiculous movies yeah we've gone to the absurd now yeah so let me ask our third and final question. Does this film hold up? I think so. I think it holds up beautifully. I think the cinematography, it does some really cool things with zooms and close-ups. And so it looks really good. I think the story was really engaging. I mean, I it had me on, I don't know, if literally on the edge of my seat, but it had me you know, on the edge of my seat throughout the, the film. The acting, I thought, was, was excellent. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the answer is yes. I think you're right. There's a lot of good action um, and acting. I had it had my rapt attention, right? I was yeah. interested. I was invested in the story. I wanted Tibbs to win so desperately. And maybe that's why I said I, I think there's been more of uh, a victory for him in there because I think he absolutely is the best party in this film and represents the values I must hold to be true. And so for him to kind of just solve the crime and move on, it seems like you know a disservice. So. I think it will hold up. I think it's a very good film. I don't think it's without its problems. Potentially, I think a close, careful reader will see it for what it is, which is a good film that says a lot of important things. It's just a lot of foundation for perhaps more 
equitable relationships, at least in film, between black and white people. Yeah, I agree. Go see this film. That's all we have for this week. I do want to mention that next time, when we come back here on our free episodes, we will have The Silence of the Lambs. The Silence of the Lambs, Clarice. And you should have already heard our rundown part five. Part five. Which those things are getting, well, frankly, more and more uh, extreme. Redonkulous. Next week, we'll be on Patreon for our patrons of the arts for their ears only. It'll be Ethan's film that he'll be picking, a recent film. Ethan, oh. are you prepared to announce that, or you want to keep, you want to reserve that for now? No, I haven't picked a fucking movie yet. I, I gave know. you an out, and yet you still just said, no, I haven't no, picked one. I'll just put it out there. I, you know, I, I'll be honest to the listeners. I haven't picked I a I gave you movie. a chance to be secretive, and you threw it in my no, face. No, uh, you know, I'll figure something out. Well, I guess in that case, I've been Matt Mazzell. And I am Mr. Tibbs, Ethan Knight. And there will be spoilers. Here they call me Mr. Spoilers. That was kind of dumb. <laughs> there Will Be Spoilers is hosted by Matt Bazell and me, Ethan Knight. It's produced each week by Matt Bazell. Our artwork is by Becca Knight. You can find her on Twitter at Becca the Knight. Our great music was produced and created by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. You can check him out all over the internet. You can always find us on Twitter at SpoilersCast. And you can find us on Patreon if you would like to support us for only $5 a month. Also at Patreon.com slash SpoilersCast. Our email continues to be SpoilersCast at gmail.com. So send us some complaints hate mail and maybe a compliment or two remember please subscribe to us on soundcloud itunes or stitcher and we would really appreciate it if you would rate and review us on itunes it really helps thank you so much it rubs the lotion on its skin it does this whenever it's told (gasps) mr my family will pay cash whatever ransom you're asking for they'll pay it It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. Quid pro quo. I tell you things, you tell me things. Not about this case, though. About yourself. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. <laughs>